So how did your show go? Your first ever stand up last week? Um, yeah, yeah, it was good actually. Go on, were you funny? Did people actually laugh at you? Well, no, I just think what you know, people um, they didn't they didn't they didn't laugh, but they didn't boo. What happened there? They didn't well, no, laugh. they just they just sort of sort of sat there. But you know, it's what happens when your first gig. They just they just you know, the whole point is I got told that they're not meant to laugh because it's rude if they laugh, so they just don't say anything. They don't, they just sit there in silence. So it doesn't sound like you're very funny. Well, no, it's just tradition of the place that they just sit there in silence. Where was it again? Uh, it was um, the uh, the the comedy comedy store. Now that's funny. ESPN head in the game. Yes, this is head in the game. Your weekly lowdown to one of the week's major sporting events. Now I'm Jamie Lang, and this week we go crazy with March Madness. It's uh, the college basketball tournament that captivates the USA every single spring. Alongside me is my co-host, the multi-talented Rachel Stringer, broadcaster, sports nut, former runner. She would have been a Commonwealth Youth Champion if Olympic champ. Casta Semenya hadn't got in the way. Very interesting. She's covered like virtually every single sport from MotoGP to Wimbledon tennis to Champions League. I take a breath. Here's Rachel. Oh, I love that introduction. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, actually, I don't mind coming second to Casta Semenya because you yeah. know, first the worst, second the best, and all that. You like coming second. That's what. No, you but <laughs> it was about ten years ago, so you know, so I'm kind of over it now. Not at all over it. So I deal with myself and medal. Okay? I would never say. You know what? I'm happy that I came second. I would yeah, never say I that. I can't change it, can I? I lost. Okay, the under eight long jump to Tom Dukenfield, and it still annoys me today. <laughs> Okay, uh, let's make some sense out of March Madness. It's ESPN's basketball insider, Jeff Borzello. Jeff, are you there? I am here, and I'm excited. Not as excited as me, but I love that we're going to compete about that. That's fair. I'll work. That'll work. <laughs> uh, okay, Jeff, why is March Madness such a big deal? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is the gambling side. People like filling out brackets and betting with their friends and their coworkers for office pools. They like putting money in and filling out who's going to win each game. And the other part is the chance at a smaller school to win games. Like it's it, to me, it's sort of like the FA Cup. Any level of the sport has a chance to get in this tournament and has a chance to go against the big boys of the sport. You're going to have big schools like Duke and North Carolina go against schools that have enrollments of a thousand people. Last year, UMBC is a small school in Maryland beat Virginia, who is the best team in the country. People love to see these small schools, these Cinderella's go out and beat a big school. And so I think that's sort of the global appeal of March Madness. That's what really draws people in is that. And, and obviously filling out brackets and winning uh, office pools and stuff like that, that's a small part as well. The only time we ever really use brackets is when a World Cup comes around. Then we kind of all get really competitive at work and fill them out. But I love that you do it every year. For those of people who don't know a lot about the tournament, can you explain how it works and how the teams get selected for it? There's 32 conferences in Division One college basketball, and there has to be at least one school from every conference in March Madness. And so those smaller conferences, their tournaments have already started. And whoever wins these little tournaments goes to the big March Madness tournament. So you're going to have 32 teams that get into March Madness because of that. And then you're going to have another 36 teams selected by a committee of 10 people. They're going to get together. They're going to select another 36 teams to join March Madness. And then they're going to seed them. And so there's going to be four different regions, East, West, Midwest, South, with 16 teams in each region. This committee of 10 not only is going to select the teams to join, they're also going to seed the teams 1 through 16. So the best teams will get one. 
two, three, and so on until the worst teams get these 16 seeds. And then you have one play 16, eight play nine, five play 12, and so on. Are the committee just selecting them on based on performances or anything else? Who they like. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be just performances, but we're not. nobody else is allowed in the room, so we really don't know what goes on. But there is sort of a criteria on how to select them. It's, it's not just, you know, wins and losses. It's, you know, who did you play? Who did you beat? Um, you know, how tough your schedule was, how many good teams you beat, how many bad teams you lost to. Every team gets put into a spot based on performance. So they're going to say, okay, Virginia and Duke, they both are, are going to be one seeds. Who's been better? They're going to have the one seed. They're going to have two. They're going to have three. So it's, it's selected one through 68. They're going to seed all those teams in order. So it is a chance for uh, maybe some underdogs to really shine. That's what makes it special is that, you know, these small schools that never really have a chance, they're going to have, you know, opportunities to go against the big schools. And, and for schools which never really had that sort of attention before to get to the Final Four, that's a huge accomplishment. You know, what last year Loyola Chicago did at a small school in Illinois, and that was sort of the biggest story of March Madness is then making the Final Four. People seeing schools like that, beat big teams and go on these Cinderella type runs. I think that's what really draws people in and makes it special. And I guess that happens because it's all about knockout. So you just have one off game and it's all over. There's only been one seed to ever lose to a 16 seed. And that happened last season with Virginia. And they were awesome all season. And then they get into the tournament. They have one bad game and they lost by 20 to UMBC in the first round. And it was, it was a shocker. It was the first time it's ever happened in the history of March Madness. But like you said, it was basically one bad game. And they were going home. Who are the favorites? Well, I think the favorites are probably right now, it's going to be Virginia, even though they lost last year. Gonzaga, who's been a perennial contender for about a decade now, even though there's still sort of a small school out in Washington. Duke is a favorite. North Carolina, Kentucky. You know, there are some sleeper schools. You know, Wofford, it's a small school in South Carolina. They haven't lost a game in about three months. Buffalo in upstate New York. They're another school that can make a run, a sort of a small school. So there are schools that people can watch and say, okay, that might be the type of Cinderella to make a deep run in March Madness. Have you got any players that we should watch out for? I think everyone wants to watch Zion Williamson. He's going to be the center of attention for in every game he plays. But R.J. Barrett, his teammate at Duke, is another guy that's going to be drafted pretty early uh, in the NBA draft. And one other guy who wasn't getting really any attention going into the year, he plays at Murray State, which is a small school in Kentucky. John Morant, um, he's a really athletic point guard. You know, he's put up 40 points in games this year. You know, he's the type of guy that can carry a, a small school like Murray State to wins over some of the big schools. I've been checking out Zion Williamson's dunking. He's like flies through the air. I don't know if there's been anybody like him in basketball. He's so unique. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's 285 pounds. Uh, so he's like the size of, of like a tight end in football or, or, you know, an offensive lineman in college football. It's outrageous. And he's extremely athletic. You know, he's so big and so strong and so muscular. He's just freakish in terms of his athleticism. And, you know, like I said, he's going to be just the, the main attraction for uh, any game that he plays in. But with all these players, you know, they're just athletes. So they can play basketball, they can play American football, they can do all these different ones, right? That's what's so incredible about them. Are the NBA scouts going to be there? Yeah, they'll be at every game. This is probably the last time they're going to be able to see them in a game until the NBA draft. I mean, they're going to have workouts and, and the NBA draft combine. They invite all the, the potential guys that get drafted to go through different um, workouts and tests and things like that. But this will be the last time they play in a game till you know, basically the NBA season. And so NBA scouts from every team will probably be at every single game. A guy that maybe isn't on the radar of some teams 
can really jump into the first round of the NBA draft or something like that. But Jeff, if Zion Williamson is so good, why hasn't he been drafted already? Why hasn't he done something like, you know, wasn't it Michael Jordan people go into the NBA before even college? So he's not allowed. In American basketball, you cannot go straight from high school to the NBA draft. You have to take one year off. And whether that's a year spent in college, whether it's a year spent in Europe or Australia or wherever, Asia, um, you have to spend one year from when you graduate high school until you can enter the NBA draft. A guy like Zion Williamson would have been, you know, a top five pick last year. R.J. Barrett, his teammate at Duke, would have been a top five pick last year, but they're not allowed. And a lot of people complain about it because they say, you know, if this kid's good enough to play in the NBA now, why can't he go straight from high school? But that's just the rule. And so we get one year of Zion Williamson. We get one year of R.J. Barrett. And that's how it's going to be for the next couple of years. You've spoken a lot about the Americans. Um, are there any Brits taking part and ones to watch? Yeah, there's, there's two sort of ones that stand out. One is Cavell Bigby Williams. Uh, he plays at LSU, six foot 11. Um, he started his career at Oregon, actually, and now he's transferred to LSU. And he's played a lot more lately. And there's one other one who wasn't expected to play in March Madness, but Dwayne Laudier Ogunley, I think I say you pronounce it. He's from London. He plays at Bradley, a school in the Midwest. They were not very good during the regular season, but they went on a little bit of a run and they won three games in three days. Uh, to earn a bid to March Madness. So, and, and he played. He had 13 points and, and six rebounds in the championship game against Northern Iowa on Sunday. And so he's going to be another guy from London who's going to be playing in March Madness. Do you know what I find so interesting, though, about American sport is uh, how seriously the USA take college sport. It's like a pro game. In the UK, we don't really have that. Why is that? Is it because it's the up-and-coming teams? Is it because it's the youth players? It's the future of the sport? What is about it? I think there's a few reasons. I think one is... So in the fall, uh, you know, college football sort of takes over Saturdays and the NFL is on Sundays. Everybody that's an NFL fan sort of just watches college football on Saturdays. And that's just sort of the day for college football. And then college basketball, you know, because of March Madness, a lot of people pay attention more to college basketball than the NBA because just the spectacle of March Madness in March, it draws a lot of people in. But is it a cultural thing? I think so. I think absolutely it's a cultural thing because people want to see who their team is going to draft in the NFL or, or the NBA. They want to see you know, who the next stars of the sport are. And then the other part is a lot of people feel a, a strong connection to whatever college they went to, You know, whether you went to North Carolina or Kentucky or Alabama, and you're going to be a diehard fan of that sport forever. I think it's pretty disappointing that our college sports, our university sports, don't get more attention. Because if so, Jeff, I'm sure Jamie and I would have been absolute superstars. Yeah. But uh, Jeff, if it you wasn't have, the case. If you have a spare moment, go on YouTube. Uh, Rachel Stringer, she she runs around a track so quickly. It is she should have been a YouTube star. Not quick enough. Clearly, more, she came second. So um, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jeff. It was great having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was ESPN's Jeff Borzello there, and don't forget. ESPN Player is the only place to watch every single March Madness game. ESPN Player also has classic March Madness games, college basketball films and studio shows. To subscribe, head to ESPNPlayer.com. And guess what? You can even get a seven-day free trial. What's not to like? Right, and now for a minute of our very own madness, a voice, are you ready? Yes. Rachel? Oh, yes. It's time for... History of March Madness in 60 Seconds. 
It all started in 1939 when Harold Olsen, a basketball coach at Ohio State University, had the idea of a tournament between different colleges. Just eight teams took part that year, with Olsen's Ohio State losing to Oregon in the final. The tournament has now expanded to 68 teams. It is run by the NCAA, which stands for... The National Collegiate Athletic Association. The nickname March Madness emerged in the 1980s, popularised by Brent Musburger of CBS. What a great name. UCLA have won the tournament more times than any other college. Their 11 titles are followed by the University of Kentucky with eight. Many future stars of the NBA earned their break in the college game. Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain featured in the tournament in the 1950s. While the 79 final saw Michigan State, led by Magic Johnson, defeat Indiana State featuring Larry Bird, a rivalry they carried into the professional game. It's now a popular tradition to fill out a March Madness bracket, predicting the result of every game. Even Barack Obama did it. We'll hear a clip of that later. But the chances of predicting every match correctly are one in 147 quintillion, which is why businessman Warren Buffett felt confident offering $1 billion to anyone who could do it. And no one ever has. Stop the clock! Right, you're back with Head in the Game podcast. Uh, we're talking March Madness. Now, we have Scott Kerman on the line. Uh, Scott is host of the Grand Standards talk show in Boston. Scott, are you there? Yes, absolutely. How are you doing, Jamie and Rachel? Good, man. Thanks Good. so much for joining us today. Can you tell us a bit about your show? Uh, my show, uh, it's in Boston. It's a unique show by the fans, for the fans. It's the highest rated show in Boston. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I'm joined by my mailman, my barber, and my two best friends uh, who I watched the games of the Red Sox in Fenway Park. So it's a, a fan show. What does your mailman add to the show? <laughs> who do we talk sports with most guys? We talk with our mailman and our barber. We don't talk so to our postman said, here in the UK. <laughs> Here we have to talk to him, or they won't give us the mail. <laughs> ah, maybe I should try that. I should talk to him about football. So that's the show. It's, it's been a big hit. Brilliant. Scott, just tell us a bit about March Madness and the bracket. So for anyone who is listening who doesn't know much about the bracket, can you just sum it up for them, please? Okay, so the bracket, is it's remarkable. First of all, every non-sports fan, this is the only time of the year they talk to you about sports, and it's the bracket. And of course, they tell you things, and then you tell them things, and then they tell you that you don't know anything about sports. There's 68 teams. So the first game, you have, like, the best teams, like Duke and North Carolina, playing teams like the college secretariat's love children. So it's like retired jockeys, people with who are five foot six and with hairy chests. That's who they're playing. It's ridiculous, the first you know, round or two. And then it goes down to, all of a sudden, the best players. And most of the best players are just freshmen. It's their first years playing in college. And then after this year, they head to the pros. But why are the freshmen the best players? Surely the seniors would be the best players. No, not, not the way it works now. You can't go straight from the high school anymore to the NBA. Uh, so yeah, you, we had you this. have to play one year in college. And so if you're a great player, you'd only spend one year in college and then you'd head to the NBA. So if you're a senior, you're probably actually a guy who goes to class and probably doesn't have much of a jump shot. <laughs> and um, President Obama, he became famous, didn't he, for his bracket predictions? Well, I thought he was pretty famous beforehand, but yeah, it sure helped his curating. <laughs> he Great. presented them annually on ESPN in a segment called Bracketology. So have a listen to this. When you're about to fill out your bracket, what are you looking for? A couple of things. I'm big on momentum especially in a tournament like this one. So whoever is looking hotter at the end of the year, those are teams that I tend to, to be a little more uh, inclined to pick. I like teams with good point guards mm -hmm. because I think uh, the ability to control a game, limit turnovers, 
I think that ends up making a difference. Other than that, it's all uh, throwing darts. <laughs> I just want to point out that last year I was doing great through the first round, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> Scott, it's interesting because uh, President Obama was a huge, he, well, he is, he's a huge basketball fan, isn't he? You know, his wife, Michelle Obama, her brother was a big-time coach in college basketball. I didn't know that. Is that true yeah. or did you make that up? <laughs> I like, you're a comedian, no, I'm I, not sure. I, I, make up, I make up much more interesting things than that, Rachel. Yeah, no, yes, it's true. It's absolutely true, yeah. Even if that wasn't true, Scott, I was just sitting there going, boom, fair enough. It's a nice little, it's a nice little point. <laughs> Us gullible Brits over here. And Scott, the chances of actually winning the racket are very small, aren't they? Obviously, Barack Obama there said he has never got past the first round. You have a better chance, actually, than waking up and turning to the mirror and you're a raccoon than uh, actually doing the uh, bracket. In fact, Warren Buffett, a few years ago, um, offered uh, anyone in, who would fill in a bracket and completed it to the winners uh, $1 billion. Say that again. Wait, Scott, was it one billion or one million? One billion dollars, B as in boy, one billion dollars. If you could actually fill in a bracket, you know, you had to go on a website, you could fill out in a bracket, and then actually uh, went to the end and you, you picked every game correctly through the uh, tournament. Scott, is, is that still going? Because I feel like I, I, I'm kind of lucky, so I feel like I could, I could get that. Who, who came the closest? Did someone get pretty much near the end? I no, no. I, I don't even think you got past the first round. See, what happens is if there's an upset, then generally 95% of the, the brackets are blown. Even like if a 12th seed beats a third seed, then most people you know, didn't have that in their bracket and then they're done. Do you go to like events or dinners or, or hang around with your buddies like the mailman and chat about the bracket, who's going to win, who's doing well? Is it like a big thing that you guys all talk about? Oh, it's huge. Everybody talks about it. It's a great thing because you can talk with your six-year-old kid about it because he has a bracket or your 90-year-old grandmother, so somehow she has a bracket. It doesn't take much, but everyone's talking about it. And, of course, everyone's asking the question, you know, they picked Alcorn State, and they're like, where the hell is Alcorn State? There's a lot of these colleges. Nobody even knows where the state is. Well, Jamie, we should join in with the bracket now. We can talk about it with you as well, Scott. We're going to get on the bracket. But several of the tournament rounds, they have nicknames as well, don't they? Like Sweet 16, Elite 8. Sweet 16, exactly. Final Four, that's right. It's fun. I mean, it's, you know, it's something, especially you know, on the weekends, that, that everybody watches and, of course, everybody gambles on, too. How big is March Madness in context of American sport? That's a great question. In some level, it's probably the biggest as far as discussion on a, on a long basis. But, of course, the Super Bowl is always the biggest event. And then uh, Super Bowl, World Series. Yeah, then I would probably put March Madness third of all of the events that happened during the sports year. And uh, what shows are you planning around uh, March Madness? We'll do shows and we'll talk about it during the course of the whole tournament. And then we make our predictions and stuff and nobody listens to us. So who are you predicting then? Who are you predicting is going to go all the way? Duke is, but you know, the, the best player in college basketball, I don't know if you've heard of him, is Zion Williamson. Oh, we've he, heard. We know. So he's the next LeBron. That's what they think, the next LeBron James. And maybe you saw a few weeks ago, he blew out of his sneakers. I didn't see that, no. He, he got he had an injury. Oh he, what, he, because he jumped so high? What? You have to go on, on YouTube and see this. It, it, it was all the, the rage for a couple of days here in the States is that Zion Williamson was just turning on the court, you know, when he had the basketball, and his sneaker completely blew off, just completely exploded. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Not a good moment for Nike. Not a good moment. But literally, when you see it, it literally splits into two. Never have seen that 
in my whole life. Archie, I beg to differ. Um, Rachel Stringer <laughs> had it when she was running around the athletics track once. Your shoes blew off and that's why you came second, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. Right. There's a running joke in here, Scott. Sorry, the act was oh, part of right? it. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. I'll laugh. I'll do it for you. What are the three top teams that I should look out for in the bracket? This is what I want, Jamie, because I want you winning that billion dollars. You take care of Rachel, and that's the most. We're, I'm going to say we're going to spit right it, of course. All right, okay. So Gonzaga, I would go Gonzaga, North Carolina, Duke, and let's go LSU. So there's your four teams, and then uh, you know you guys can follow along during the course of the next few weeks and see how the four teams I suggested go uh, in the tournament. Do you know what would be amazing if if I won the bracket, the billion dollars, and you turned into a raccoon? That would really make my whole march. <laughs> and you cheap bastard didn't give me a cent. Can you imagine? That would be weird if suddenly you were a raccoon and I had won the billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Hey, Scott, thank you, man. Scott Kerman, uh, remind us of your show and where people can find it as well. Sure, it's called The Grand Standards, and it can be on thegrandstandards.com. Go on the web and thegrandstandards.com, and you can see all our March Madness. Dude, you are hilarious. I can't wait to check it out. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Really appreciate it, Scott. Love to be on again, just whenever you want to. Right, here we go with your feedback. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Head in the Game Podcast. Okay, uh, we have one from Jenny in Salisbury. Uh, she said she was fascinated to hear about Rachel, your running career uh, last week. In particular, she loved uh, the fact that you had a clash with Olympic champion Casta Semenya. Uh, now, she wants to know, what's your opinion on whether Casta should be forced to take medication to reduce testosterone levels? Well, it's super tricky. She was born a woman, raised a woman... Everyone sees her as a woman. She sees herself as a woman. But she has testosterone levels three times greater than most other women on the planet. So it's not a level playing field. So if she doesn't take the testosterone-reducing drugs, she will probably continue to win for years and years to come. And you won't see the average female like myself or Lindsay Sharp or Adele Tracy, Shalena Austin-Clark, the GB girls, getting on the podium in the Olympic Games. It's tricky. And is a part of you uh, just uh, a little bit bitter that you came second in your track race when you were younger? If you could see my face now. No, no, I love my silver medal. It's brilliant. Still second. Uh, Right, Guido, who is in Milan, he says, loved your episode on UFC. Thank you, Guido. Uh, Molly McCann was amazing. And I saw Jamie getting crushed in a charity rugby game. So I'd like to know, would he get into a ring with Molly? And if so, what would his tactics be to beat her? I would... uh, You wouldn't last five seconds. I would pretend to be knocked out. Yes. And then jump up and run out of the whole stadium. I think that's what my tactic would be. From what we heard of her, she's brutal. And we're now friends on Instagram. So uh, watch out because I might be joining her. You're friends on Instagram? Yeah. What? You like just DMing, got... weren't we, Molly? What? You, you sit, you, you're trying to talk to Molly through a podcast. That you How would she respond? She's invited me to go and watch as well. Her next one. Her next fight. Did she invite you? No, she didn't. <laughs> Unlucky. 
He's going to find her on Instagram now and message her. Fine, there we go. <clears throat> okay, finally, and the great sporting theme rambles on. Yes, it does indeed. Following our episode on great sporting rivalries, you've continued sending us loads of suggestions on other great sporting themes. Some better than others. <laughs> okay, we've had great sporting failures, great sporting injuries. And last week, great sporting animals. I still think fish qualify for that episode. This week, Silas from Nairobi suggested great sporting chant. Oh, I, love what? I, I love a chant. I lo- yeah, so Silas, okay, um, easy peasy, uh, really good one. Jamie is the best. Jamie is the best. That's it's what... sporting chants. Oh, okay. Was that... I That's I was... personal chants. I thought it was a chant that I do when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> uh, well, then I don't have one. What's your one? My one? Obvious. Nottingham Forest. A magic, a magic, a magic, a magic. See, it's reverberating around the room. You get it? Do that one more time. Nottingham Forest. A magic, a magic, a magic, a magic. It sounds terrible. No, it's magic. It's everything. We're shouting about magic. What are you doing? It's like you've gone mad. Uh, Right, keep the feedback coming. Uh, Join the conversation at Head in the Game podcast on Facebook. Yep, what's next? ESPN, Head in the Game. Okay, so it's now time for our superfan feature, and it's hello to Mike Miller from the Double Clutch podcast. Now, Mike, you're sitting in the room. How do you feel? Welcome to Head in the Game. Are you excited? I'm very excited. It's it's really cool to be here in person, actually. I so, feel like we're a bit, a bit shown up, though, because he's got his own podcast, and he's probably judging us on ours. Yeah, but that's fine. You can oh. judge us. You're also... <laughs> Give us some tips. <laughs> he's doing a great job so far. He's got a much more professional setup than I have, so... But you're also friends with Nick Whitfield, aren't Super you? Superfan Nick Whitfield, Yes, I am. He was on the podcast before, Head in the Game. Can you tell him to stop ringing me? He, it's becoming intense now. He oh. just won't leave me alone. He won't let me go. It's just too much. It's, it's funny because he said the same about you. Listen. Ouch! <laughs> I messaged him a few times. He didn't reply. So then I changed my number and he still didn't reply. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Uh, right, tell me, looking forward to March Madness? Always. It's, it's a great time of year. Um, there's almost like a lull in the NBA season during the sort of post-All-Star pre-playoff break and... Uh, March Madness really sort of fills that, makes it pop, gets everyone involved, and it's it's just huge in the States. How big a deal is it? How big is it? It's massive. It, it Everyone who's anyone takes part and has a voice in it. Um, just because the way that the NCAA works, uh, the bracket itself, you've got you've got 32 Division One conferences. Each conference has got, you know, sort of 10 teams. The, the amount of teams involved is huge just to get to that point. Whereas if you look at the NBA, there's, there's 30 teams in total. So not every state even has a team. When it comes to the NCAA, there's a lot more people having an affiliation with a college. Is it sell-out crowds? Like, do those people go and watch and support as well as on TV? Yeah, absolutely. You've got crazy fans. So, no pun intended, the Cameron Crazies are Duke University's fans. They camp out ahead of games. You have to sign up in advance. You you camp out. You then have to take, like, a pledge of allegiance to, to show that you know the history of the college. They paint themselves. They have cheat sheets so you can stand within sort of, you know, this far away. I say this far, it's a podcast. People can't see me. Really close. <laughs> That's like an arm's length away. <laughs> yeah. FYI. Uh, really close to the players and taunt them. It's, it's a really sort of big deal. Are we just talking about men? There's a female version as well. Are we uh, talking about that being as big? Is that just as big in parallel? Unfortunately, it's, I mean, it's still big. It's unfortunate that the women's sport isn't as well covered. But there are sort of improvements and there is ground being broken there. If you look at, for example, in the UK for the first time this year, we're going to start seeing the WNBA regularly 
through the summer, whereas we haven't had access to that before on TV. There are steps being made, but it's just not as big as the men's. Is that on at the same time as the men's, or is it on yeah. at a different time? Okay, maybe that's why it's going right. That, that is why. Put it on a week before or a week after. Mike, also tell me, okay, your NBA team is uh, the Portland Trailblazers, which... Uh, does anyone support them? Is that a is that, is that a big team? <laughs> very very few over here do. Uh, they're a big team if you're in Portland. Let's put it that way. They're reasonably successful. They they won a championship back in the seventies, so not that successful in terms of, of titles. Sure. I believe the third seed uh, in the Western Conference. Okay, so at the they're minute. doing well. But does that mean so? Then do you follow a college team as well? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I grew up watching Michael Jordan era basketball, mm-hmm. so I had uh, an affinity for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, I then spent time living in Oregon, which is how I came to become a, a Blazers fan, uh, and I started following the Oregon Ducks at the same time. So I've got sort of two teams that I have a vested interest in. Oh, awesome. And we heard a little bit earlier as well that sometimes the NBA guys go and watch and obviously pick some people to go into the draft, and some people kind of get recognised from the March Madness. Uh, who are your favourite players to come out of it in the past? So uh, a couple of years ago, the South Carolina Gamecocks had a bit of a Cinderella story. While well, they were a seventh seed and made it all the way to the Final Four, they had a guy playing for them who now plays for the Clippers, Sindarius Thornwell. And the first time I heard of him, I was like, that's an awesome name. That and is an awesome Sindarius name. Sindarius Thornwell. Thornwell. Yeah. Um, I so, always think that if, if, every, if anyone was ever like, I was playing basketball and they went, oh, and Jamie Lang, it'd be like, it doesn't sound great. It's not what like would you a, call yourself then? Jamie Lightning. Oh, got it. Yeah, what? Haven't thought about it or anything. And he goes for the slam dunk. Yeah, you could I, have that as the middle nickname, so yeah. Jamie Lightning Lang. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Mike, I knew we'd be friends. <laughs> so who are your favourite players to come out, as Rachel said? Uh, well, so obviously Sindarius Thornwell. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not a big NBA star by any, any uh, stretch of the imagination, but his, his ability to lead uh, South Carolina to that Final Four meant that he, as a player, got an opportunity to go to the NBA. He was not projected to be picked uh, at the NBA draft where they select 60 people a year. He was projected a lot later than that. I think he ended up going 43rd or something like that. So he was a not by any means this pedigree star talent. Sure. Other guys I've liked to have come out of uh, March Madness, obviously the Charlotte Hornets, Michael Jordan's team that he owns. Uh, they picked up Kemba Walker a few years back. He he led Yukon Huskies to the title. They shouldn't have won. They did. He became a clutch player, and now he's an NBA All-Star. Are you saying that if you have a standout player in your team, that can win you games? You don't have to be a good team. You just say if you have one amazing player, that can get you far in the bracket. The great coach Tex Winter said there's no I in team, mm-hmm. which is a bit big cliche because Michael Jordan then turned around and said, well, there is in win. Um, a big play- <laughs> A big-time player can make the difference, absolutely. But you still need five guys on the floor contributing. And have any players uh, from Portland ever come out of Marge Madness? Yeah, there will have been players who have played on Final Four teams. Some of the guys from Portland, though, in fact, the two big stars came from a lot smaller schools. So they didn't have the surrounding cast to to necessarily help them go as far. You had CJ McCollum, who went to to Lehigh, which is a a school no one's ever going to hear of again, basically. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, But there are guys who come out uh, of the big colleges as well. And if you're not in a big college team and, you know, you don't go all the way, can the scouts still kind of see the potential? Yep. Steph Curry came from Davidson College, tiny one. I had no idea about that. So he... he, He's one of Steph Curry's, like, the best three-point shooter ever. ever. Yeah, absolutely ever. Two-time MVP, uh, first unanimous MVP. If you look at his college scouting reports, undersized, under-athletic, too reliant on outside shooting, and he's amazing. Again, someone like Kawhi Leonard, 
he came out of a, of a smaller school and he's a defensive player of the year a finals mvp you can do it if you if the talent is there it will find a way of getting through march madness just shines a light on those players okay and what about the bracket have you ever had a go yeah i've, I've had a go <laughs> we want some tips yeah. help us out how close did you get well, given the odds, uh, 9.2 quintillion, which I am, it's like 19 zeros. It's ridiculous. Uh, not very well. If I did, if I was any good at it, I, I probably would be a rich man. How far have you got? Not, not very bad. Like the first, the first round busts so many brackets. It's just ridiculous. Um, if you get through the first round, I would tip my hat to you. And on the podcast, do you kind of chat about this with some other super fans and do you chat about the bracket a lot? The bracket's not so much because I mean, it's so difficult to just get it right. We could do it, but it's killed overnight almost if, if you get it wrong. So it's very difficult to predict. Uh, but in terms of the guys coming through college, absolutely. Getting their profile out there, getting the UK fans thinking of these guys. Yeah, we do that. Uh, OK, Mike, you're going to stay around because uh, I think you might be able to help us out with the next part of the show. Sounds good to me. Yes, it's the Head in the Game quiz. Rachel, Jamie and special guest, Superfan Mike. How are you, Mike? Yeah, I'm, I'm very good, thanks. A little nervous? Massively. We're mixing it up a little this week. Jamie, fancy your chances against Rachel and Mike? Bring it on. Mike, let's do him. OK, here we go. Round one, true or false? Rachel, the bird in the Twitter logo was originally named Larry in honour of Larry Bird. True. It is true, although now the company have taken away the bird's name, saying it just represents a bluebird. Question number two, Jamie. The 1981 third-place game and national championship game, i.e. the final, were delayed because of an assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. True or false? True. It is true. Reagan said to the surgeons working on him, I hope you guys are Republicans. Question number three, Mike, our superfan. ESPN's BPI stands for Brilliant Players Index. True or false? False. Correct. It stands for Basketball Power Index and measures how far or above average a team is. Question four, Jamie. Arkansas's tactic during the 1990s of up-tempo play, coupled with intense pressure defense, was known as 40 minutes of hell. True or false? False. It's true. Ah. Round two. 2018 March Madness player or historic British government minister, Rachel Shy Gilgis Alexander. Minister? No, point guard for the Kentucky Wildcats. Bad guess. Jamie, Hilton Young. Player. No, financial secretary to the Treasury, 1921. Mike, Hamar Greenwood. Player. No, <laughs> chief secretary for Ireland in 1920. Jamie, Theo Pinson. Player. Correct. Yay! Shooting guard for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Round three, multiple choice. Rachel, what was banned from all college basketball between 1967 and 1976? A, high fives. B, slam dunks. C, huddles. Slam dunks? Yes, yeah, a little bit of uh, trickery there from your co-partner, but uh, yes, that is correct. I thought we were a team. Jamie, who captained Georgetown in the 1982 and 1984 championship games? A, Patrick Duffy. B, Patrick Ewing. C, Bobby Ewing. Bobby Ewing. No, he was a character in Dallas. Uh. Goodness me. It was Patrick Ewing. Question three. Mike, what nickname is given to a team that performs better than expected? A, Cinderella. B, Bill Boa. C, Rapunzel. Cinderella. Is correct. Final question. This could be the decider, Jamie. Mm -hmm. What does the winning team get to do at the end of the tournament? A, 
be carried around the perimeter of the court by the losing finalists, B. Share a cake decorated with one chocolate flake for every point they scored in the final, or C. Cut down the nets from the basket to claim them as their own. Cut down the nets. Yes! And the winner is... Mike! (laughs) That means Mike and Rachel, yeah? Not really. Magic Mike. (laughs) Well done. Right, Rachel, to all of our listeners, uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. Please subscribe, review, spread the love. Uh, don't forget, ESPN Player is the only place to watch every single March Madness game, along with previous classic March Madness games and much more. For your free seven-day trial and to subscribe, head to ESPNPlayer.com. Join us next week for our first ever doubleheader, IPL cricket and baseball. How about that, then? Not bad at all. Until then, keep your... Head in the game, Rachel. Head in the game. Is there, Jim? Is yes, there? we'll keep it there. ESPN, head in the game. That was quite good. Hey, do you know, having done all of this, I actually learn a lot about America and things like that, not just the sport, I actually go deep in that. Like, for example, uh, I bet you, guess how many states there are in America? I don't know, but I guess you're about to tell me. 50. Go on, then name them. Colorado. One. Uh, oh, you want me to name all of them? <laughs> of course. Okay, uh... Washington, Arkansas. Oh, this is going to take so long. Um, I'll Google them. Wyoming, California. Rachel, come back. I got them. New York. Rachel, Alabama. Vale, is that one? Whistler. I think that's in Canada, isn't it? Hawaii. It could be one. Um, IPL, bring it on. Next episode. Right, so what have you got to tell me about IPL? How long have I been here?